We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in today, whether it's on the audio side, Spotify, Apple, or now we are on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcast on YouTube. I'm joined by my man, Greg Thompson from Cover One. And I, let me tell you something, man. You are the only dude that I know that's got the clout to... Put an episode taping on hold because the NBA Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> are playing in overtime on a Monday night. <laughs> I was I thought it was going to be over nice and easy, and then they let it go to overtime, but they won, so it's okay. I'm, I'm actually taking my kids this Friday night. We're going to a game. Actually, I'm going to both Friday and Saturday night game, so I'm pumped. That's my uh, my second favorite love behind the Buffalo Bills. They're good now. Yeah, it's team. fun. It's a really fun team. It's a really it, fun team. Garland's a good Garland's a nice player. Oh, they, yeah. got a, they got a nice roster. Garland Mobley, uh, Jared Allen. It's, it's fun. The All Star game was in Cleveland recently. Oh right? yeah, no, uh, we, my wife and I and my daughter got to go to the All Star game in a suite. It was awesome. Got to see the top seventy five players ever introduced. One that of the coolest cool. nights I've, I've gotten to see. Get to see like Michael Jordan in person, Magic Johnson. Everybody it was amazing. Yeah, that is awesome. I'll tell you what, man. We obviously got a lot of football to talk about. For that, though, I do want to ask you a question because you've had some fun during at least some Sabre games from time to time on Twitter with your uh, Greg Doesn't Know Hockey <laughs> hashtag on Twitter. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. But I do want to ask you at least a semi-serious question here. The Buffalo Sabres, I know you're following them to at least some extent anyway, yeah. as much as you can. This team is actually starting to play really good hockey, and they're – Fun to watch. I mean, this was a big week for them. On Thursday night, they beat Jack Eichel in Vegas. I mean, almost like a storybook kind of way where Pan and Greb yeah. scores, and then Tuck takes the puck from Eichel on a turnover for the empty netter. And then on Sunday in uh, Hamilton, they go on, they beat Toronto in the Heritage Classic. I mean, for a hockey guy, or somebody who, who's aspiring to be a hockey guy like yourself anyway, I mean... Right now, like, what's your level of fun when you do get an opportunity? And I'm sure you don't get to watch them as much as you want, but from time to time you do, or you at least follow along on Twitter and stuff like that. Is it starting to become a little more fun for you to to follow hockey like this? For sure. It, obviously, it's a lot more enjoyable when the people that I'm, you know, watching with or, or following along online are mm -hmm. having a better time. Um, and, and I, you know, obviously it started as a very serious thing. Like, I genuinely had no clue what was going on other than, the fact that I'm, you know, a reasonably intelligent person who can watch a sport and kind of figure out what's happening. But I didn't understand any of the rules. I didn't understand any of the nuance or strategy of why things were happening or where stuff was going. 
Um, I vaguely understood what offsides was, but I, I didn't <laughs> understand about passing beyond certain amounts of lines and things. Right. So I, I, I actually, you know, reached out to some, you know, some guys to Chad and Anthony and guys that I asked, Hey, you know, what can I do to learn? They uh, got me some books, which I've read through and understood. Now I watch it. Now I understand what's going on. And obviously I, I know enough that I think this season would have been a little bit different if the goaltending worked out a little bit differently. Like maybe it'd be yeah, different. I, sure. I don't know that they'd be in the running for the playoffs or anything like that, but it'd be a lot different than where they are in the standings. And I think you're seeing it now that as you're bringing up some of these young guys, all the fun and excitement in Rochester now coming to Buffalo, you know, seeing the fruition of some of the trades. Um, it's at least, in my opinion, it looks like it's going to end the season to where the financial position they're in, the draft position they're going to be in with the young talent. There's legitimate reason for excitement for next season, and that's cool. It is. The young guys are playing well. They got young guys in the pipeline ready, almost ready to come up. They got three first-round draft picks next year, and they're playing a pretty fun brand of hockey. And to your point, which is, you know, you may not be the biggest hockey guy in the world, but you do bring up a really good point. The goaltending this year is the reason what's kept the Sabres. I, I agree with you, uh, you know, not necessarily playoff contention, but, you know, probably four or five games, at least they'd be better if Craig Anderson uh, didn't get hurt and miss as much time as he did. All right, so we're going to dive into football, and let me preface this for everybody listening right now. Let me set the table, I should say. This is dropping on Tuesday morning. Hopefully, you're hearing it somewhere around then. We are taping this around 10 p.m. on Monday night, and while we're talking, with everything going on in the NFL, Greg and I both got a, the corner of our eye, at least, on our, on our tweet decks for, for potential breaking news. We did talk about this. We joked about this a little bit on Twitter on Monday, but, I mean, it, it's real. Uh, um, two years ago when I had Greg on right as free agency was started on that first night, it was right around, well, maybe not quite this late, but it was pretty late at night. And literally in the middle of the episode, uh, the bills ended up training for Stefan Diggs. And I'll never forget that for no other reason than, you know, these shows for the most part, I think Greg, and, and you do, uh, you know, you do, you do a ton of shows, whether it's with you and Aaron on yeah. cover one, or you guessed on a lot of them you know that these shows for the most part are somewhat structured. Like you have a, yeah. you know, you have a bunch of notes and you kind of have a, a game plan, so to speak, on how you're going to attack that episode. When something like that comes out of left field in the middle and you're kind of like, you're, you're acting literally on the fly. It was, it was fun, but also kind of difficult to react. Stressful. Because it was <laughs> because, you know, we try Greg, I, I know you do. And so do I, we, we try to be objective and, kind of sort of a little bit take the fandom out while we're speaking, at least on the shows. But I, how do you not, you know, fanboy wow. out immediately when something like that goes down? It was just well, so big. And if people don't remember the order that things happened last year, you're in that year, that year you're talking about a combination of, I think the biggest signing at that point had been AJ Klein, I think was the, yeah, that, that was the biggest ad at that point. So everybody was kind of, disappointed we'll talk about it. i think there's a lot more excitement today on the first day free agency sure. than than what there was at that point but at that point it was kind of you know us reassuring people that hey more stuff's gonna come i know it wasn't <laughs> a really exciting day and then we're sitting there live like oh and i remember seeing it and having to like triple check to make sure i wasn't getting tricked by some right you know, account Take like ones. uh pat i'm pretty sure we just traded for Stephon Diggs. it was awesome i've listened back to that clip a, a couple times it's so funny to hear our live reaction it is it is and it's uh 
And, and you make a good point too on Twitter, especially you got to watch your little fake mm. accounts. One, a fake Adam Schefter struck today on a Allen Robinson signing. I think it might've been with Jacksonville where a couple Buffalo media people fell for it. Um, anyway, shit happens, but y- you know, so, so far today, as we're taping this right now, the bills have added three veterans. Um, I kind of just going to go through a lot of stuff and, and get your opinions and your thoughts on it. That's kind of why I wanted to get you on for this episode. Let's start with, uh, well, we'll start with the offensive guard. Roger Saffold comes from Tennessee, made the pro bowl last year. Um, it's, it's a two year deal technically, but he even tweeted out, I think he said, essentially it's a one year deal. It's a you know, one year can, to decrease yeah. the cap hit. Right. Um, he's in Daryl Williams is out. I let me, well, let me start here too, because the, the general assumption was if Daryl Williams would either take a pay cut or he would be released based on this signing and Aaron Cromer and just the, the style, the way this offensive line is going to be. Do you think that this was just as much, if maybe not even more about uh, on the field football fit, adding him instead of Daryl Williams as it was Daryl Williams's cap hit is over 9 million this year. We just can't afford it. How much do you think this was a football move as well as obviously some form of financial move as well? Um, I'm going to say, 90% plus football because I honestly expect Saffold to make about the same amount of money or more than what Williams was making. Mm-hmm. Now with the void year, I'm sure the cap hit will be smaller. Um, but you're talking about a, a superior player. Like he he's simply better um than, than what Williams is. And now you're, you know, going back, he played some of his best football under Aaron Cromer. He's also, and I, I want to give a credit to Joe Biscalia, went through and identified a trend with the offensive line, the like relative athletic score that a lot of people mm-hmm. see on Twitter, all the rest of the offensive linemen are eight and a half, nine. We have two tens on the team, like elite level athletes. And Daryl Williams is like a 3.2. Well, Roger Saffold was an 8.9, an elite athlete. And you see pictures of him. The dude's like carved out of rock. He he's, uh, has no belly whatsoever. And is, is you know, at 6'5", 325 is a ridiculous athlete. So obviously that points towards, the athleticism that Aaron Cromer likes in his offensive line may be more of a zone scheme, getting out in space and moving. Obviously, we know that makes more sense with, you know, Mitch Morris. That makes more sense with Spencer Brown. Um, so I think it's a smart ad that way. Um, I like Darrell Williams. I think he was fine. But I think Roger Saffold is, a, a, will say, a small upgrade. I don't think he's like a huge leap forward. It's not like we added Quentin Nelson or right. signed Brandon Scherf. But he's a little bit better than Darrell Williams and – I think he's also a little bit better player and he's quite a bit better fit for what Aaron Cromer wanted. So once that happened, both Aaron Quinn and I were talking that it was super likely that this was leveraging either Roger Saffold or or, uh, Austin Corbett, the two guys who came from Cromer's system and were both free agents. Um, So, and when they kind of positioned it, you know, that was easy leverage with Daryl Williams to say, Hey, you can either stay with a pay cut or we got options here. And I don't even know how much of a pay cut they offered. The, you know, obviously the the funny part of the you know legal tampering period. I don't think the Bills just all of a sudden called up Roger Saffold for the first time at noon today and struck right. a deal. Yeah. I have a feeling that they already had that worked out when they released Daryl Williams and were like, "Well, we already got a deal that we liked with Saffold, so best of luck." Right. <laughs> they wish they sent Daryl Williams on his way. And I would venture to say that maybe like i said it's possible they didn't even try to get a a pay cut out of williams if they knew they were going saffold what would be the yeah. sense of 
especially if they heard back from Saffold's people that the number was in line with what they wanted. Sure. They likely just let Williams know, hey, we're going to move on. Yeah. I'll say this, though. You know, I I think it's important. You know, Harrison Phillips, a lot. We're going to talk about him in a few minutes. A lot of nice things being said about him on the way out. And obviously, very much deserved. But I like Darrell Williams, man. I thought he was a, a good signing over the course of two years. I thought he was good at right tackle in 2020. He was elite and, in 2020. Yeah, Great was, season. Yes, he was very good. I'll never forget the way he shut down DJ Watt two years ago. And then this past year, I think he was kind of put in a tough situation, you know, bouncing back and forth between tackle and guard. He just didn't look like quite the same player, but he was playing well at the end of the year when they kind of, the offensive line finally got a little cohesiveness. I like the move. I just want to make sure that nobody's kicking Darrell Williams on the way out. I agree with you 100% too. I think it's a, I think it's a modest upgrade with just a better fit for the yes. system yeah. that they're running as opposed to, you know, the player maybe just being head and shoulders so much better than the other. Um, all right. Well, defensive, uh, the other big moves today were, well, at least again, at this point, two defensive tackles. They signed, and I'm going to tell you right now, the casual football fan, Greg, and I already know this because I got a lot of friends who follow the Bills, but, you know, they, they know the superstar players. They don't know the, the deaf players, the role players, the decent players as well as a lot of people talk about him, especially somebody like yourself. But Tim Settle from Washington, they got a two-year deal. And Daquan Jones, I'm not sure. I, I didn't know. Was it a two-year deal, too? I, I'm I, not even I sure. looked. I haven't seen that one reported, right. so I'm guessing that means one year. Right. Um, but we'll, we'll see when the details come out. Well, tell people a little bit about these two guys because the first thought, again, Harrison Phillips, it was a very popular player with this team on the field and off the field. And he did, I mean, you know, injury uh, issues aside, he he played well, especially in the tail end of last year. I think there were at least some people surprised. He ended up going to Minnesota, getting three years. I think nineteen and a half million is the yep. the original contract report. But before talking about him, talk about the two guys that, in part anyway, are gonna are gonna replace him on this line. So, in it, it is a combination move, and my guess is that we probably added these guys for probably the combination of what Harrison Phillips was paid. So it's a lot of it is about not necessarily upgrading or anything from Harrison Phillips. It's, it's going to be similar in the discussion. It's the fit. So, you know, we were asking Harrison Phillips to play one technique and to be a stout two gap guy who could hold the point of attack and take on double teams. And he had moments down the stretch where he really started to do that, but I'm not sure that's ever his, top fit i'm not sure that's ever what he's going to be best at uh in the nfl but he had a nice season and did well and earned a nice contract so now you go in uh daquan jones and tim settle are the combination of those two things but are probably a little bit better at each thing than what harrison phillips was as one player trying to play both roles daquan jones you're talking about a huge human who is a stout one tech Longtime guy for the Tennessee Titans, just played this last year in Carolina, but played the previous, I think, eight years in Tennessee. Um, never misses a game, hasn't missed a single game for seven years, and only had one season where he's ever missed any games in a season. Is your prototypical space eating guy that you cannot move off the spot? Actually, has a little bit of pass rush ability to push the pocket, but ultimately is just your big two gap double team eating guy. Tim Settle is kind of sneaky. He is 6'3", 325, which sounds like another one-tech. He's actually not that good at a one-tech or run defender, but he's a super good pass rusher. He's actually a really big upgrade from Vernon Butler is what he is. So towards the end of the year, they started sitting Vernon Butler. 
they weren't even playing the extra guy. They were asking Harrison Phillips to kind of do both things and rotating in defensive te- or defensive ends inside and bringing up guys like Eli Ankow. So they were asking Harrison Phillips to in Ed Oliver to play a ton of snaps. You know, there are games towards the end of the year where they're both playing like 70% of snaps. Harrison Phillips is not going to be that guy. So, you know, I think Daquan Jones is a better one tech than Harrison Phillips. Tim Settle is probably a better three tech than Harrison Phillips. I don't think either of them are as versatile as Harrison Phillips. Neither of them could do both jobs like Phillips did. But if that's what we're asking the two of them to do, I'd rather have two of them that probably cost the same as him combined than keep asking him to do roles that he's not quite cut out for. I think Ed Oliver will be better off having Daquan Jones next to him and a guy like Tim Settle rotating in to give him a break than what it was last year. So probably a better scheme fit, even if no one's replacing Harrison Phillips in the community, in the locker room, and he's probably a better overall player than either of them. But I think this is probably a pretty good fit. Is he one of those? You know, when you talk about Daquan Jones, again, some people look at statistics, just the basic primary statistics, and it never really gives you the full story. This is an argument that's been going on forever. Like Jerry Hughes stinks because he only had two sacks last year. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, I'm being sarcastic here. He doesn't stink. Point being is he only had two sacks. You look at someone like Daquan Jones, you're like, well, he can't get to the quarterback. He only had one sack. But I did look up on PFF. I saw somebody put a, a stat on on Twitter. He had 23 pressures in a career best 69.4 pass rushing grade from PFF. So he does have at least a little bit of moderate ability to kind of disrupt the pocket a little bit. I've heard a lot of good things about Tim Settle. I feel like, and I could be wrong, Greg, but last year when there were like rumors flowing around that Mitch Trubisky might be on the move to Washington and that the Bills were looking to get a player, I could have sworn at some point last year I heard his name mentioned as as a possibility, like the Bills were looking for in a trade, which might make more sense now that they signed him today. Two years in a row, he's been one of my top trade targets. So Tim Settle is the really sneaky signing here. I don't, I don't know that we got some hidden gem or some, you know, undiscovered guy, but there's a chance that we have that. You got to remember he's stuck behind three first round picks in Washington. They had so much invested on their defensive line. He really didn't get a chance to play that much. And every time he played, he was great. But then you go back and they had Jonathan Allen and they had, you know, and uh, Payne and, and just so many, so much investment in front of him. And they paid a huge contract to Matt Ioannidis and they had all these guys that, Every time he played, he was as good or better than some of those guys, but they had a ton invested in them, so he got a pretty small role. There's a chance we stumbled onto something really special here that he could blossom into more than that, and that's exactly what you want in free agency is pay at the low end for the potential of what a guy can do. So um, I feel confident he can be for sure a rotational, penetrating, pass-rushing three-tech because we've seen him do that. There's a chance we got more than that. There's a chance that we found something special here, and this is going to be his first chance to compete for big-time playing snaps. And that, you know, it's a thing where I would guess Daquan Jones starts because traditionally you're going to start the run-stopping one-tech alongside Ed Oliver. But it wouldn't shock me if Tim Settle's the one that plays the majority of snaps and is the one that ends up making the bigger impact overall, especially, you know, the pass-rushing stats are what people pay attention to. Um, I could see him putting up some nice stats alongside that Oliver. One more question about the defensive tackles, and we'll talk about Starlo Tutele. It doesn't make sense from a financial aspect to cut him right now if you were going to. I, I, it's like a minimal cap saving for a lot of dead cap space. Now, that would be a different story. 
if they waited after June 1st, but obviously that wouldn't help them if they were trying to make moves right now. How do you see, and again, I know it's very early, Greg, by the time this airs tomorrow, maybe the Bills have done something else at the position for all we know. But as we're talking right now, late on a Monday night, night one of tampering, I don't even want to say free agency yet. What, what do you think Star Latrulli's future is with this team? So I still, I am planning as though he's not going to be on the team. If he decides he wants to come back and run it back again, honestly, financially, that's probably their best case scenario is that they get a backup one tech behind Daquan Jones and that he contributes here or there is maybe a healthy scratch when they don't need him. But if you're playing Tennessee, if you're playing New England and you want two one techs, he's good. And we're paying him regardless of whether he's on the team or not. So there's a chance if he wants to retire, I explained on our show, there's a path where, um, you know, he's not going to want He's under contract. So if he wants to retire, he doesn't get that guaranteed money unless he shows up for mini camp, unless he shows up for training camp. And then they cut him at the end of training camp uh, to retire. Um, so there's a chance they negotiate that and say, hey, if you give back the 2.5 million game guarantees, we won't find you. And the fines would actually be more than 2.5 million. And you don't have to come and pretend to want to go through training camp. Um, so that's one option. Or uh, you're right, and uh, Sal Capaccio confirmed this earlier, if uh, people get all excited about the post-June 1st designations, you can do that, but when you designate someone post-June 1st, you get you split the dead cap between this year and next year, so it would take Star from like a $1.5 million in savings to almost $4.5 million in savings, but it's because you're kicking $3 million of it into next year, but you don't get that money until June 1st. That doesn't really help except for one thing. There's one spot where that could help, and that's if you've already negotiated and discussed an agreement in principle with someone already on the roster, like, say, Stefan Diggs, and you want to just wait and announce it after June 1st, which is still before training camp and still around the time that they did the Josh Allen extension last year, then all of a sudden the extra $4.5 million might help to be able to do that. So, or uh, Dawson Knox or Jordan Poyer or one of those kind of things where it's already a player under contract. You don't need to do the extension earlier and you could wait until then to do it. That's the one scenario where doing a post June 1st um, designation for his release, getting the extra cap space, then you could trade that off to be able to give that player you extend a little extra money right now and then swap that for next year. Uh, so that I I am going under the impression there, but ultimately financially, it probably helps them the most if he just shows up and plays maybe under a little bit of a pay cut if he wants to pay. Um, but I'm I am going under the impression that last year getting COVID during the season, already having the the concerns with his heart if that happened, I, I think the man cares a lot about his family and is is ready to go. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, I'm back with Greg Thompson from Cover One. All right, so, so far, again, late in the Monday night, the Bills have made three moves. They haven't really activated any potential big uh, big money emergency, I have, so to speak. Um, options if they're there if they wanted to like for an example if they were to cut cole beasley they could do that um you mentioned stefan diggs there's other guys deon Dawkins. maybe there's a couple others that they could restructure they did restructure mitch morris i want to talk about him in a minute they saved a couple million by doing that but point being is that they still have moves they could make if they decide if there's a player worth you know pushing that money over for or making the move for the money is this kind of like online for a, a day one of what you expected, maybe not necessarily to specific players, but just the the brand of being approached going into this tampering period, as opposed to say like Jacksonville or the Chargers, which I want to talk about them as well in a minute. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to them in a second. Um, I would say if you told me they were going to extend a player, re-sign a player, and add three new players all on the first day, that's probably a little more than I expected. Yeah. I probably would have told people, like, hey, I don't expect that much early on. I expect we're probably going to be a little slower than what fans want to hear. Um, but the fact that we've heard, I mean, they're in on some major players. Like, we've heard reports that they're still very much in on a Chandler Jones, that they checked in with J.C. Jackson. That How much do you buy it? Pushing. Um, well, so one... I think fans underestimate how much homework and how many players they check in with period. Like sure. you don't know if somebody's going to be a good value unless you check in. So I, I think they check in. I, I'm not exaggerating with hundreds of players. Like I think they check in with a ton of representatives to gauge interest, especially at positions they're interested in. Um, so I think it's super easy to throw those things out there because, of course, they're checking in. It's it's their job to do their due diligence on on those situations. I do think there's some genuine interest with, say, a Chandler Jones more than just all the top list of everything. matter of fact, you heard um, Emmanuel Ogba talked about the fact that the Bills were talking with him and just Miami ended up topping the offer. So the Bills were in on some high-priced defensive ends, those are the situations you talked about earlier where the Bills don't have the cap space to do that now, but with Matt Milano, Trey White, Deion Dawkins, even Josh Allen, you can restructure any of those contracts where there's no chance you're going to release any of those guys, sure. and you can create $20 million in cap space immediately. Now, you're borrowing that from the future, that you're just kicking that money into the future, but it doesn't really hurt because there's no chance you're going to cut players like that. Um so I do think there's some there, but I, I would say it was a little busier than I would have expected today. 
Uh, a guy like Chandler Jones or say a trade. I know you've talked about Denell Hunter mm. plenty. <laughs> if you're that, watching that video, oh. Greg, Greg's emotion when that name was just mentioned. Um, that dude's by far my number one. It has been for like two years now. I, I hope they mess that up and let him go. What do you think the Bills' chances are of this moment, as of this moment right now, of bringing back Jerry Hughes as things stand right now? Because they haven't made a move at defensive end yet. And if they were to go out and let's say they were to get a Chandler Jones, and I don't know, you would have a better idea, a ballpark of what it would cost than I would. Um, let's just say a Chandler Jones or maybe even someone, a lesser player, but a, a good known defensive end that you're going to pony up for. Does that eliminate bringing back Jerry Hughes? Or do you think maybe if Hughes still wanted to play for three and a half, four million for another year, the Bills would be able to swing that too? So I will say, I don't think the five-man defensive end rotation was an anomaly, especially if one or two of them are able to kick inside. So it all depends on who the other addition is. You know, if it's, it makes a lot more sense for the fifth guy in my mind to be an F.A. Obata or a Shaq Lawson type, where it's a strong side defensive end on rundowns who can kick in and pass rush inside on pass rushing downs. And it makes sense for them to be active on game day because that can kind of play both roles. So if that's the kind of addition, then of course Jerry would make sense to bring back as the rotational pass rush guy. If it's a bigger name guy that his primary function is pass rush, I kind of think that's instead of Jerry. I don't know that you would add a purely pass rush guy as the fifth guy. I guess depending on maybe they see Boogie Basham as that guy and they don't and they end up say they did get a Chandler Jones and a Jerry Hughes and they just say, hey, Jerry, we're going to bring you back, but you need to know it's probably on like 35, 40% of snaps. We're just going to have you go in third downs, obvious passing downs, go wreak some havoc and stay fresh. But we're going to start Gregory Rousseau and Chandler Jones. Those are going to be our primary guys and they're going to play the majority of snaps. And then you're going to rotate with Epinesa and Basham will be the rundown guy with the kick inside on pass rush downs. And with those five, it would make sense with Ed Oliver, Tim Settle and Daquan Jones. Those eight defensive linemen would be perfect on game day. Um, that's a scenario I could see, but ultimately, you know, I, I think it's kind of one of those stretch defensive ends or Jerry. And if they don't hit on those, I think they'd happily welcome Jerry back and say, Hey, you know, you were still productive last year. Of course, we'd love you to get home more often, but you were getting pressures. You were making an impact. And ultimately we're depending on these young guys taking a step forward, whether we like it or not. A guy like say, uh, does a guy like Shaq Lawson make you think that maybe they are going a little bit of big game fishing because I mean, this dude can't be more obvious that he wants to play in Buffalo. He's putting gifts of himself up in a Buffalo Bills uniform on Twitter, uh, talking about how he's trying to get back to Buffalo, you know, after two long years, this and that. But yet the Bills have made, the Bills still haven't signed him. And you think maybe that might be because they're trying to uh, land something bigger than Shaq Lawson. No disrespect to Shaq, but. Well, yes, but I also think it's the reality of, you know, we spent 20 years where, we would have been ecstatic for a Shaq Lawson to want to come back. Like, oh my God, a player wants to come back and play here? Oh <laughs> right. my God, this is amazing. Um, we have options now. We don't need to rush into anything. It's either a guy we targeted or eh, we'll let you know. Because if we say no to him, there's like six other guys like that that would happily sign a deal in Buffalo to come play. You heard what Roger Saffold said. 
Roger Saffold took less money to come here because he thinks he can come win a championship. And he, it's easier. He's already made $70 million in his career. It's a lot easier to, to make those decisions at that point for a guy like him. But there's players like that where at that level, we're going to add, uh, here, I mean, there's other spots. We're going to add a solid tight end too. We're going to add a cornerback. We're going to add probably two defensive ends. We're probably going to add a linebacker. You know, there's multiple spots where we're going to keep at, we're probably going to add a wide receiver. There's multiple spots. And like a lot of them are going to be last year's Matt Breida or last year's F.A. Obata. But some of them can be nice hits that you end up finding a guy that ends up being a really nice addition. So we're going to have options. And now people saw what Josh Allen did. People want to hitch their wagon to that. Let me ask you about who's the, you mentioned tight end. That's what I was thinking in my mind here. What's going on with this Mark? It seems every tight end out there is getting eight million dollars or more right now. It, it's insane. So um, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm I'm confident in my projections for contracts. I'm good at it, and I have not missed more than I have in the tight end market. Every single guy is coming in like a hundred and fifty percent of what I projected. You know, Will Disley at eight million dollars a year. Evan Ingram with ten million dollars, nine million guaranteed. Um, multiple guys that we were interested in. Heck, the most normal one was Mo Ali Cox. Got three years for eighteen million. The six million a year was about right. more of what I expected. Uh, but he's a blocking yeah. tight end too. That got eighteen million dollars. You know, so um, I don't quite know. <laughs> I don't know what to. There are some guys that we still targeted that I think make sense. Um, you know, I like Tyler Conklin a lot from Minnesota. Um, Hayden Hurst from Atlanta makes some sense. There's still guys floating out there that I think would be um, a, a decent fit. Uh, OJ Howard hasn't signed, and I think you know you, you see Grant go back to Tampa Bay now. I think that that Brady's back. That makes too much sense. Um, but ultimately, just like at backup quarterback, we're just waiting out musical chairs. We're just waiting out. Hey, you're right. A bunch of teams are handing out big money, and at some point, that's gonna stop. And that when that runs out, hey, we got uh, $4 million over here in Buffalo. If you want to catch passes from Josh Allen, <laughs> come on over. Um, and we're just waiting. It's going to be the same thing. Quarterbacks are going to get, you know, eight, $10 million deals from some of these like scrappy teams that know they're going to draft Malik Willis and need a, a placeholder. And then it's going to be, hey, we got $2.5 million over here if you want to come be Josh Allen's backup. Um, and some of it, we just got to be patient and wait out that musical chairs. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't have you on the podcast as much as I've talked about him over the last month. And granted, everything changed on Sunday when Tom Brady unretired. But I thought Gronk to Buffalo was a very strong possibility. In fact, I was willing to bet money on it. I was going to give anyone who wanted to bet me, if he didn't retire, I would take Buffalo and you could have the field. That's how confident I was that he was going to end up coming here. Now, obviously, with Tampa. But I will say this. A... Why would we hurt? Why haven't we not heard from Gronk? B, why has he not immediately re-signed with Tampa? Tampa re-signed like four or five guys today. And they're also not doing well with the cap. So they're going, they can't sign everybody. Do you think that there might be a chance that, and I'm sure Tom Brady will have significant input on whether Gronk is offered a contract to stay with Tampa, obviously. But I don't know, Greg. I'm, you know, and again, I can look dumb. 24 hours from now or 12 hours from now, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that Gronk is going back to Tampa, but let's assume, well, I want to get your take on that, but also let's say he does go back. Cause that's very, the, the, you know, that's the more likely outcome. 
You mentioned OJ Howard. How do you think he would be a fit on this team? Because he's a guy that I've always thought had good potential that never quite played up to it. I mean, he's had moments, but you know, I don't think he's ever quite played up to his potential. What do you think about him as a football player? So obviously he's a guy who was a elite talent coming out, a top 10 pick and, and a lot of people, you know, even targeting the Buffalo could have been going after him in that draft to, to be able to try to, to get him um, has never really panned out in there. He's had moments, but there was also some iffy quarterback play. And then also they signed Cameron Bray and then brought in Gronk. So there's also some idea of, Hey, I wonder if he would have developed more if he gave him more snaps and more opportunity, um, which I think is perfect for a situation like this. Cause one, he's not going to cost a lot. Um, you it might cost a little bit more because of the draft premium and some of the potential that goes along with that. Um, but you, there's no pressure. You're bringing him in to be a tight end too. We have Dawson Knox. We got Gabe Davis. We got Stephon Diggs. We don't need somebody to come in to save the day. Just come in and play your role. Be a, be a good active blocker and be available in two tight end sets. Um, and I think it's a, a nice opportunity to kind of rebuild some value and, and pre present yourself uh, for a future contract or to be able to fit in on a great team. Um, I don't think he, you know, there's a chance that they unlock some of that original potential. But I think after this many years, we kind of see what what he is. Um, so I think he would be a fine signing. I would prefer, I would much prefer Tyler Conklin. I would much prefer some of the other guys that are out there, but that's the kind of name that um, I would want to be going after. And I think that there's, you know, a handful of things with a guy like him and you brought up Gronk. I, I think that it makes sense that, you know, um, he was assuming he didn't know about Brady's thing until everybody else finding out he didn't know ahead of time. Um, so he was also talking with all these other teams. He also knows how many other teams want him. He also knows the money other teams were willing to pay him. My guess is Tampa Bay came back and said, well, you're coming back, right? You're just going to come back for really cheap because we can't really afford a lot. And he's probably going, well, of course I want to play with Tom, but these other teams are going to pay me this. Can't you guys pay me this? Um, so that's what I'm guessing that it's there. And I think it's probably still 80% plus that he goes back yeah. there and they figure out a way to make it work. But it's not a slam dunk that, you know, he heard how many other teams loved him and wanted to throw money at him. And, you know, um, Cincinnati just lost their starting tight end. CJ Ozoma went to the Jets. They have an opening there. He talked about liking Burrow. Um, you know, I, I think that he'd I think he'd love to come back to Buffalo and play in his hometown with Josh Allen. Um, but I also don't know. I think the Bills were kind of hoping to be in the Buccaneers position of hey, we have the best situation. We can't offer you the most money, but you have the best chance to win a championship and to look good. Well, if he's going to take a discount, he's probably going to take a discount to be with Brady. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where that goes. For what it's worth, and who knows if Chad Johnson's messing around or not, because I've seen no reports, and it was over 90 minutes ago. But you mentioned something about Kyle Rudolph going to Cincinnati, but I've seen, uh, I, I've seen no reports. What is your feeling towards like fans? Because Jarvis Landry was a name that was discussed early on Monday. Um, there were reports that the Bills and the Chiefs were going to be in on him after he got released from Cleveland. And then I seen a later report. I can't remember. I can't remember who it was from, to be honest with you. But somebody said that it, it, they didn't mention the Bills. It was Kansas City and Green Bay were the two teams that were uh, talked about the most. But you, you're on Twitter enough. I mean, you're on social media. You you see fans and, and what they got to say about a guy like Jarvis Landry and Gronkowski as well, because, you know, they had on Trey White, they had on Aaron Williams, the dirty hit. Yeah. It seems like, you know, I, I think fans care a lot more than the organization itself does. And I'm 
quite confident if they were going to go give Gronk, for an example, eight, nine million dollars for a year, I'm pretty confident that they've at least mentioned it to Trey White. And, and I'm sure Ditto, maybe, well, Aaron Williams is long gone from the team, but you know, someone like Jarvisan, I just I don't think it has any effect on their decision making, what some fans might think of past actions. You agree? Um, 100%. And I think that, you know, you saw Aaron Williams wrote an article in the Player Tribune that he harbors no resentment and understands it was a, a mistake in the moment and he wasn't like out to get him in the game. Like in that moment, he did a cheap thing, but it, was, it wasn't like he went into the game planning to end Aaron Williams' career. It right. was just a really horrible situation from a, a really embarrassing, terrible mistake. I don't like Jarvis Landry still from that. He's one of my least favorite players in the Right, league. me too. Like I, I genuinely don't like him. I don't want the Bills to sign him, but I'd get over it. Like I, I'd if he helps the team win, I'd root for him to help the team win, even if I don't like him. I agree. Um, I, I would have felt. I don't know why, but I never had the visceral reaction other people did to the Gronk moment. Like it was also kind of stupid, but I, it was just a, a dumb reaction in the moment, and it was cheap. And he apologized, and Trey accepted the apology. And I didn't think it was as, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I should react more strongly than, than what I did. But I, I didn't have the the same emotional reaction that a lot of people did to that. So I would have got over that too and would have been okay with it. But I get it. I understand why people don't like both of them um, and that I get not wanting to root for that. But ultimately, once they make the first clutch third down catch that helps win a game, everybody will cheer and get over it. Nobody's going to care. That's how it was last year with Cole Beasley. Before the season, everyone hated him. One game and then one drive into the season, 90% of the fans were completely fine with him. I agree with you about Jarvis Landry. I don't like him as a person, and I don't want him on this team. And it's, But I I don't want him on the team not because I don't like him. I don't like him. I just feel like there's better receivers out there. Now, to be fair, he's been with Baker Mayfield the last couple of years who can make you look bad, too. Um as well i just i don't know there's i feel like there's better receivers out there regardless of what they do and i think we both agree they're not done at wide receiver but it is worth noting that isaiah mckenzie is the guy who re-signed for a two-year deal and you look at those these numbers greg two years it was like 4.4 million up to 8 million um only a six hundred thousand dollars signing bonus i'm looking at the numbers right now and only a 1.875 million dollar 2022 cap hit i gotta ask you um, not so much surprised that he's back, but are you surprised that at those numbers that he elected to re-sign with Buffalo without even like testing the market? That's what I'm a little bit surprised about. So I'll politely, the same way that we joked about Roger Saffold, the idea, and I heard people ask him about this in the press conference, the idea that he didn't test the market is adorable. <laughs> the, the idea that people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you resigned without your agent having any idea right. what any other team would pay. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> grow up, everybody. Yeah. Grow up. Um, two years in a row, he has resigned for 1.75 million cap hit and 1.85 million cap hit. Maybe we should just take it as an idea of what the NFL thinks of him. Yeah. Your your partner says it all the time, and he and he's not wrong. Aaron Quinn, your your uh, your your podcast co-host, he says Bills fans value Isaiah McKenzie probably a lot more than the league does, and quite a significant possibly, amount. Yeah, more. the team. Now, don't don't get me wrong. 
I'm excited about this deal. I'm Me excited too. about the getting a player back at that cheap of a number who obviously has moments where you can use him to a, a very solid degree is great. That's a very good thing. I'm not upset about that at all. I haven't, you know, we've seen the touch and go element in the return game of his trustworthiness to be the return guy. Sure. We've seen really good performance in man coverage out of the slot and not a lot against zone coverage. Well, guess what? 70% of the NFL runs zone. <laughs> so the 30% of the time is great to have him, but the other rest of the time he can't get open. You know, that that's not worth $8 million. That's not worth crazy deals. But, you know, I joked about this. If you ask me which deal I want, two years and $4.4 million for uh, Isaiah McKenzie or three years for $30 million for Zay Jones, the Jacksonville gave up, uh, I'll take Isaiah McKenzie. Thank you. <laughs> Holy shit. I, I still can't. I, I, I just, That's look, I, I get you. You're trying to add some talent, but oh my God, three years, $30 million for Zay Jones. You're obviously going to agree with this too. Signing McKenzie does literally nothing to prevent the Bills from whatever they're going to do a wide receiver. I mean, you're pretty confident, obviously, whether it's free agency, maybe it's a trade, maybe it's early in the draft, middle part of the draft. The Bills are definitely first round. the receiver, right? I, I joked about this. At no point is an NFL general manager going to say, well, Jamison Williams was our highest graded guy in the board at pick 25, but we just re-signed Isaiah McKenzie. So <laughs> right. at no point is that sentence going to come out of any general manager's mouth ever. Yeah. Um, he, it's, he's just not that kind of guy. Like, it's not that kind of thing. Heck, um, I I like Daquan Jones and Tim Settle a lot. I don't think that stops them from taking a defensive tackle at pick 25. Like, it's just people have these ideas of like, well, that hole is filled now, so that's totally off the board. We're not doing that anymore. And, you know, it's not how this works. One more position I wanted to briefly hit on, and then I want to just go over a couple other things before I get you out of here. Cornerback, I mean – who knows when it's coming? Who knows who it's going to be? I know Joe Biscalia had a, did his mock off season last week and he had the Bills signing um, Joe Hayden to like a one year, $2 million prove it deal, which again, our boy Aaron Quinn hates Joe Hayden, did not like that move. But <laughs> he was so my, mad at me for proposing him. <laughs> <laughs> but for look, the Bills are going to do something at corner, right? I mean, Levi Wallace probably is gone again. I don't want to jump anything definitive maybe he's looking at the market right now and maybe it's not what he thought and maybe he takes a you know a value deal to stay in buffalo i don't know that you don't know that either right now at least anyway but let's assume that they lose him i mean you got an injured trade why and you got dane jackson you got literally nothing else they get they got to add veterans and obviously i would say a corner is very much in play in the first round if not the first definitely the second right. although we said that shit last year and they didn't draft any corners but i mean corners <laughs> Like sometimes I think we overthink things, you know, and, and spend so much time worrying about these other positions. They got to do something at quarterback, right? A hundred percent. Well, I mean, last year they didn't draft it, but they had Levi Wallace and and Dane Jackson and Dane Jackson. Yeah, um, that's much different, and sure. a healthy Trey White. Yeah. So that's much different than right now. Um, they have to make some moves here. They probably need to do a signing and a significant draft pick just to balance out having the right amount of people. We don't know for sure that Trey's going to be able to play week one. Um, it's a 50-50 proposition. He could start the season on the pup list. Um, the combination of guys that are out there that we can't afford are in that Levi Wallace range. We already saw Sidney Jones sign. That was a guy that both me and Eric and Aaron liked. Uh, Akello Witherspoon was a guy that I liked. He re-signed in Pittsburgh. 
Um, Joe Hayden is a guy that I'm fine with as a Band-Aid if we're going like corner in the first round and you just want a veteran just in case the guy's not ready, you know, day one. Um, I, there's still guys out there that I like. Dante Jackson's still available. Rasul Douglas is still available. There are guys that I think we can add that are in that Levi Wallace tier, either slight up- upgrades or slight downgrades, but in that same range. Um, but also Levi Wallace coming back is, is another option as well. I expect us to add a $6 million ish cornerback and a top three round draft pick. If this goes another 24 hours, I wouldn't be shocked if Levi Wallace does end up coming back. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't be yeah. doing cartwheels, but I don't, they could do worse. We, I, we've talked about this before. I talked about this Aaron a lot. He's a great, he's a great floor player. Like if that's as bad as it is for you, then you could do a lot worse than him. So the bills made other moves and we're, we're not going to spend any more time talking about that. I mean, well, just Mitch Morse signed the extension. We talked about Harrison Phillips already. Um, the Bills cut Williams, they cut A.J. Klein, um, they cut John Feliciano, who's already signed with the New York Giants, which is no surprise. He's going to be playing center. Maybe that's a little bit of a surprise. Uh, the one I did want to ask you about, though, Mitch Trubisky ends up going to Pittsburgh. Two years, looking at the contract. So it's two years, $14.25 million, worked up to $27 million. That's from Tom Palisaro. Uh, your, your thoughts on him going to Pittsburgh and uh, – I don't know. I mean, there were a lot of other teams being rumored. This feels to me, given the contract and the team he's going to, he I don't think he's 100% going to be the starter, but I think he goes in the camp very likely to start, or maybe they draft somebody and, you know, kind of bring him along. But it feels like he's going to be the starter for Pittsburgh in 2022. I mean, he signed on day one of free agency. I think he's probably got a, a good inkling of that, right? I, I have to imagine he did not sign anywhere that he didn't get a very strong indication that he not a guarantee, not that there was no competition, but a really strong indication that, Hey, you have a very clear path to be in our starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, now they don't know what's going to happen in the draft. They're picking a pick 20. That's a crap shoot. You have no idea who's going to be there. Um, obviously you have like a Kenny Pickett who's from Pitt and literally like in the city with the team. Um, but there's, a, I don't know that any guy in this draft is ready to start day one. I don't think any of them are. Right. So when you see a contract like that, he is a hundred percent betting on himself. When you had as little playing time as you had last year, every incentive for Mitch Trubisky is a not likely to be earned incentive because he didn't accomplish much last year. And for anybody who doesn't know, I won't get too nerdy into the cap stuff, but when you see likely to be earned and not likely to be earned, the difference is, did they do that last year? So, you know, you could literally put it at 300 yards passing on the season and it would be not likely to be earned. When it's not likely to be earned, those incentives don't count against the cap. The only time they count is if you achieve it at the end of the season, they will count against next year's cap. So that up to 27 million might actually be really easy to achieve numbers to get him to 13 and a half million or whatever it is. And just by being the starting quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. 80% of the snaps, and then they won't pay for it until next year. So he's clearly banking on being the starting quarterback if he agreed to almost double the contract in, in incentives, but they can't guarantee what will happen in the draft. I would assume he's given a pretty strong indication that you're going to be our guy. Okay. I want to go around the league now quickly here too. 
we won't talk about stuff that's already went down, but last week was just absolutely insane. I mean, Aaron Rodgers stays, Russ Wilson gets traded, Carson Wentz gets traded, Khalil Mack goes to the Chargers, more on them in a second, Mario Cooper to Cleveland, and then, of course, Tom Brady unretires. This is all just last week, and now it's Monday, and we've already had a big flurry of signings. Let's start with Jacksonville, man. I just... Holy shit. I mean, look, and in some ways, I kind of want to give them credit, too, though. But all right, so here's who they signed. They signed a guard, Brandon Scherf, a, a really good guard. Uh, they they gave a lot of money to Christian Kirk. They gave a lot of money to Zay Jones. And then they signed Evan Ingram, a guy who many people thought was going to be a good fit, potentially, for the Buffalo Bills. So you got two receivers, a tight end, a good guard, and they got a few pieces on defense as well. My first thought is, Jesus Christ, right? I, they're throwing out all this money like crazy. They're signing everybody. Somebody on Twitter, I can't take credit for something that I didn't think of originally, but they kind of likened it to the Bills in 2019. Josh Allen's rookie year, 2018. They needed more talent, and they went out and they signed John Brown. They signed Cole Beasley, and they made some moves on the offensive line. It's kind of in a sort of in a way what, what Jacksonville's doing right now. I mean, you got Trevor Lawrence. He had kind of garbage around him for talent, garbage coaching too, of course. And But they went out and they're aggressive. I mean, they're at least trying if nothing else. I'm not confident. Like if, if it was my team, I wouldn't be confident spending all this money, but they got the cap room and you know, they're aggressive. Like what, what are your thoughts on them right now? Yeah. Well, one, when your team's terrible, you don't have that many good players to pay. So you have a ton of cap space. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're pulling money out of future years or mortgaging the future. This is just how much money they have to work with. And they had very little talent on that team. So DJ Chark was uh, a free agent. They still have Marvin Jones, which is at least a professional wide receiver, but that was it. They had nothing else there. So signing multiple receivers was always the case here. Um, the same thing they have, got, like Dan Arnold is a tight end that some people like, but they didn't really have much there. They have a center and a couple tackles. So Brandon Linder is a solid uh, center. Cam Robinson, they franchise tagged at tackle. And then at the other one, they have two first or two high draft picks and Juwan Taylor and Walker Little kind of com, uh, competing there. So Andy, adding a stud, Brandon Scherf, next to a young tackle makes a ton of sense to be able to do that. So, um, you know, it, I'm going to liken this to probably more similar to the how I described the Patriots offseason last year. So you have to separate the two things. Did they grossly overpay? Yes. But did they also add a ton of talent to the team? Also, yes. So during this year, do those during this season from now until the Super Bowl, do those overpays matter? No, they don't matter at all. Nothing, none of that matters. Now, a year from today, they might be releasing half these players. They might be releasing five other players to make room for them. But from right now till the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter at all. The overpay doesn't matter. All you did was add five really talented players onto your team and uh, four players and Zay Jones um, onto your team. So going through and being able to be in that spot, you added talent around Trevor Lawrence. So yes, that that ch- the same way that right now New England is regretting spending all that money last year and overpaying a bunch of guys, but their team got better. They added talent. They got better around Mac Jones. Uh, these guys are doing the same thing around Trevor Lawrence. They got better. They'll regret it a year from now, but they're getting way better. A uh, quick note, unrelated, because, again, we're following Twitter as we're taping this. Harrison Phillips' contracts details came in. In year one, I, I just read he's going to be getting $8.5 in year one and $13 million total guaranteed. 
So sure. just for people out there wondering, like, what was the price that Brandon Bean was not willing to pay? Well, there you go. The other team I wanted and, to And I'll say, I mentioned it earlier, I will virtually guarantee that the year one number for Tim Settle plus Daquan Jones is less than $8 million, and the guarantees are less than $12 million. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. All right, now, look, I'm, an, I'm a knee-jerk reactor. I'm an overreactor. Uh, I'm guilty of this, and, and I don't try to lie, or I don't try to pretend I'm something that I'm not. I'm telling you right now, and I don't want to call this a hot take, but the Chiefs, obviously, and now Denver with Russ Wilson. I'm telling you, man, the Chargers on paper, dude, this team is going to be really good. I mean, we're they have a dangerous offense as it was. Now, before we even talk about anybody they added, their offense was plenty good last year. Justin Herbert in year two. I think he's a different type of quarterback, so I'm not going to ever compare him to Josh Allen. But my point is, from year two to year three, he certainly has the potential to go from being good or great sometimes to being consistently great. I think that's what Josh Allen did, just in a different way, you know, from being occasionally great to consistently great. Now, the problem was the defense. The defense was shit. You know, it was trash. We saw the Raiders last year when they couldn't beat the Raiders to get into the playoffs. It's because their defense couldn't make a stop to save their lives. All right? But you got, they traded for Khalil Mack. They went out and they got J.C. Jackson, who's a very good corner, unless he's not playing against Stephon Diggs. He's a good corner. Um, Then they got Sebastian Joseph Day from the Rams. She was a pretty good defensive lineman. And then you got Joey Bosa, Derwin James. There's plenty of talent on this defense. We we already know that division is going to be loaded, but I still think everyone kind of uh, is anointing the Chiefs, you know, the Broncos to a lesser extent. Now, Russell Wilson, don't sleep on the Chargers, man. I I would say, like when Rex Ryan used to say the Bills won the offseason, well, the Chargers, to me, are winning the offseason. This is a team that I thought was already kind of scary, and now they got a lot more talent on the other side of the ball, too. So. One, I'll say I agree. The one caveat I'll say is for three years in a row now, every offseason, man, have you seen the Chargers on paper? Do you see how talented yeah, they look? True, true, oh, true, man, do you see how good they look? How many times they make the <laughs> playoffs the last three years? True. Zero. Zero. None. <laughs> so for everybody who said, man, do you see these guys? They lap the Bills. Kiss my ass. They're catching up to the Bills and they're still not caught up, but they got better. God bless them. I hope it goes well for them. It, the moment that the Chargers find a way to stay healthy and put together a full season, I'll be impressed because it'll be the first time. They've never done it. Right. So, And the same thing, Justin Herbert, you're absolutely spot on, has a ton of the young Josh Allen in him in the same way that everybody, nobody watches Chargers games. You, you could lie and say that you do. Everybody watches Chargers highlights. Nobody watches whole Chargers games because if you do, you'll see six insanely boneheaded throws from Justin Herbert every week that make no sense. What are you doing? Why are you throwing the ball even remotely close to where you are? And then 15 phenomenal throws that are amazing. Well, nobody pays attention to the six boneheaded throws that guess what? That's why they lost so many games and why they didn't make the playoffs. So on paper, you're spot on. It is a ridiculous collection of talent. They haven't shown the ability to, to, to build a cohesive team to play together. They haven't shown the ability to stay healthy. And Justin Herbert hasn't shown the ability to play a complete game. If they do those things, they're the, one of the most talented teams in the league. I, I think they can absolutely give the Chiefs a run for their money. I'm really glad that that division keeps adding stuff together because now it's going to be easier for the Bills to get home field advantage. Last question, and then I'll let you go. And you know, I, 
I love you, man. I appreciate your time. Let, let's do this. So you've done many podcasts with Aaron. Or you've done chills with Eric, um, Pro Ant, all, all you guys. And you spent a lot of time preparing for free agency. Thank God, because it's been very entertaining and informative content for the last several weeks. Now we are 24 hours into the legal tampering period. Let's just call it free agency because that's what it is. Now that this is night one's for the most part over, unless something crazy happens like at the midnight hour tonight, literally at the midnight hour here, unless something nuts happens, this is pretty much what it's going to be for, for night one. Going forward now over the next maybe handful of days up to a week, just paint a little bit of a picture what you think the Bills are going to do left and what's left and what you think they're going to do in your opinion. Like, and it could be something realistic. It could be, uh, you know, maybe you're shooting for the stars a little bit, maybe kind of combine one or two things you'd like to see, or, you know, one or two things that you think are going to happen besides the obvious again, with quarterback too. I mean, they're obviously sure. going to get somebody, but yeah. Yeah. There's a couple like that where they're, where they're not going to lean on the draft. There's a couple spots where I don't know. They might lean on the draft and we're just nervous until the draft comes of who the guy will be. Um, quarterback two is one of those. They're not going to do that. They're going to sign a quarterback two. I can give you a list of Andy Dalton and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Marcus Mariota and Tyra Taylor. I don't know which one it's going to be. It's probably going to be one of those four guys. It's probably mm -hmm. going to be one of those, whichever one doesn't get the biggest contract and loses the musical chairs, he'll be there. Um, I do think they add a little something at running back, whether that's a, a JD McKissick or someone like that. I think a receiving back, maybe a James White even isn't crazy. Um, something like that. I could see them doing something along those lines. I do think wide receiver is one where I expect it to be more in the draft. I won't be shocked if we don't see any additions at wide receiver or maybe a low level guy. I think that's more of the draft. Um, I kind of think we see a tight end too. Durham Smythe is the kind of guy, probably not an exciting, sexy name, um, but maybe someone like that who's a good blocker and can be able to go. If there's a splash, I think it'll be a pass rusher. And it might not be. I think it's 50-50 at best. If there's a splash, I think it's a pass rusher. I I would love for it to be a trade for Daniel Hunter, but most likely um, our top end would be a splurge for Chandler Jones where they figure out kind of like a Roger Saffold deal where it's a two-year deal or a three-year deal but it's multiple void years to be able to drop the number down. He gets the 12 or 13 or $14 million he needs, but it doesn't crush the cap and they're able to fit it in. Um, I think that's the biggest splurge we could expect. And then, like I said, I expect like a $6 million ish uh, corner. That could be Levi Wallace. It could be Rasul Douglas. It could be Dante Jackson. It could be uh, uh, Casey Hayward. Someone in that ballpark um, is the kind of guy that I would expect uh, for them to add. So I think we're going to see more names to come. Um, but if there's one splash, I think it'll be a pass rusher. You know what? The, the fun part about talking about this team now, as opposed to say, if we were doing this five, 10 years ago, if we were podcasting and doing these videos is that players will want to come here mm -hmm. if they're chasing a ring, you know, and if they're not getting that big money and they're trying to settle on teams, the, the, the success of the bills, and stuff like that is going to matter now more than it ever did. So some names you might have thrown out that maybe five years ago would be like, well, the Bills paying the most money? Because if they're not, then forget about them. You know what I mean? That's not the case anymore. So that's the part I love so much right now about being a fan of the Buffalo Bills and, and just talking about this team. All right, everybody. I, look, do I got to plug your shit, man? Everybody already knows it. Right? <laughs> Greg Thompson, Aaron Quinn, Cover One Podcast, part of the Cover One Network, man. I, I love. I say this all the time. You guys have my favorite show. I, I have Aaron on. An awful lot because we shoot the shit about 90s R&B, 
you're too busy. You got too much <laughs> shit going on. So I save you for for the most important shows, which and I like tonight to me was important. So thanks so Appreciate much, buddy. It, it means a lot. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.